0: great, great. And uh, we appreciate that. Love that song. One of my favorite songs that the nun sisters sing is that one right there. Wonderful, merciful Savior. I guess because it's so true, isn't it? What a Savior, what a Savior he is. So I want you to take your Bibles tonight, if you will. And uh, we're going to head in a totally different direction tonight. John chapter number 11. Once again, we've been in John 11 some. and We're going to be back there again tonight just for a little bit. I'm going to I'm going to try to, we're going to baptize. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to keep this within about 30 minutes. And uh, it'll be difficult to do that, but I think we can do it. And, and so John chapter number 11, now I'm going to talk to you about this subject. When God goes into hiding, when God goes into hiding. And I was reading John 11 the other day and God really began to speak to my heart in a special way. And i want to share with you tonight If I could, what the Lord gave to me. And so, John chapter eleven. When you find your place, let's all stand tonight, out of respect for the reading of God's word. We're going to start in verse forty-three and read down through right around verse number fifty-four. And like I said, I'll try to preach fast. I've got so many scriptures I want to give you tonight, and it's not just important that I preach to, but it's important that you see the scripture. And I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think which scriptures to give you and which scriptures to leave out because I've got so many I want you to see tonight. And so if you'll lick your finger and turn fast, all right, I'll preach, I'll preach fast. Uh, John chapter 11 and verse number 43. The Bible says, and when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, loose him and let him go then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him well I guess so but some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said what do we For this man doeth many miracles. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him. And the Romans shall come and take away both our place and our nation. And one of them named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, said unto them, You know nothing at all, nor consider that it is expedient for us that one should die for the people and that the whole nation perish not. And this spake he not of himself. But being a high priest that year, he he prophesied, That Jesus Jesus should die for that nation and not for the nation only, but that he also should gather together in one, the children of God that were scattered abroad. Caiaphas didn't really even know what he was doing there, but God was using a wicked vessel to actually prophesy what was getting ready to happen. Verse 53, the Bible says, then from that day forth, they took counsel together for to put him to death. Now, look at verse number 54. The Bible says, Jesus, therefore, whenever you see therefore, you always go back to see what it's there for. And so Jesus, therefore, because of what we just read, because they're conspiring, Jesus, therefore, walked no more openly among the Jews, but went thence unto a country near to the wilderness, into a city called Ephraim, and there continued with his disciples. And so I want to talk to you a few minutes about the subject, when God goes into hiding, which, by the way, Calvary, we don't ever want him to do. We don't want God to ever go into hiding. And um, so I'm going I'm to do my best. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm going to do my best to pray and preach this quickly tonight. And, um, and I'm marking the clock right now. So let's, you can be seated, and let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the privilege to be back at this point in the service. And God, I'm, I'm glad that I'm a part of a preaching church. I'm glad I'm a part of a praising church. Lord, I'm glad I'm a part of a praying church. And Lord, I'm glad I'm a part of a personal evangelism church. And Father, we're so thankful for the beautiful music that's been provided and the congregational singing. And I pray it's prepared our hearts to receive what you have for us from your, your, your a beautiful and wonderful book now. So fill us with the Spirit of God, and I pray that we'll say something that will glorify thy precious Son and that will make a difference in the lives of your people. We love you. We ask you for your power. We pray you'd save the lost and encourage the saved and work through the live stream tonight and have your way, please. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, we pray, and for his sake, and all God's people said, Amen, amen. And so in John chapter 11, we find here that the Lord Jesus Christ has performed an incredible miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead. The Bible says that his body, by this time that we read the story, his body has laid in the grave for four days. Now that's significant, and I'll tell you why. Because back in, back in Jewish custom, uh, under Jewish custom, they believed that when a body died, that that uh, the body retained the spirit for three days. And after three days, that the body would discharge the spirit and the spirit would go to the afterlife. But for that first three days, even though the body was dead, they believed that the spirit of the man or the woman was still there for three days. Therefore, the Lord Jesus Christ waited purposely for four days to pass, so there would be no, no accident uh, and no question concerning the miracle that had taken place. And so the Lord Jesus Christ raises Lazarus uh, to, uh, to live again. And we notice here in, in John chapter 11 that this great miracle convinces many to become believers in the Lord. Look, if you will, at verse number 45 the Bible says, then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. And I just want to say right there, duh, I guess you would. I mean, if you saw a man uh, raise a dead man to life and th- there's no question, this man's dead. He's been in the grave for four days. His sister is afraid that by now corruption has set in. And when the Lord Jesus Christ says, roll the stone away, she says, master, by this time, he's, he's already got an odor about him. He's got that death odor about him. Uh, and so So the Lord Jesus Christ raises Lazarus to live again. And because of that, many believe on him. But there were some who even after seeing this tremendous miracle refused to believe. In fact, the Bible says that the religious leaders began conspiring on how they could assassinate the Lord Jesus Christ. And Christ purposely goes into hiding. Now, we didn't read uh, this tonight, but John chapter 12 and verse 36 says it like this. These things spake Jesus and departed and did hide himself from them. And so the Lord Jesus Christ, the word of God, uses that word, hide. He begins to hide himself from the crowd, begins to hide himself from the people. Uh, Christ goes from being very visible to being virtually invisible. And for at least for a time, the Lord Jesus has dropped off the radar. Now I want to do this tonight and I'll do it quickly, but I want to answer three questions tonight if I could. The first question is this. What causes the Lord to go into hiding? Number two, what are the consequences of the Lord going into hiding? And number three, what comes to those who continue with the Lord? But I want to say this tonight, church, real quickly by way of introduction. I want you to understand that what I'm preaching about tonight can happen in your life if you're not careful. Now, again, hold your place. Put your ribbon or your bookmark or something at John 11 because we're coming right back there in just a moment. But I want you to turn over to the book of Proverbs tonight. Proverbs chapter number one. Proverbs chapter one, and I want to show you, real quickly, I want to show you that what I'm preaching about tonight can happen in the life of an individual. It surely can. Uh, In other words, the Lord Jesus Christ can go into hiding in your personal life if you don't watch what you're doing. Now look at Proverbs chapter one and verse number 23. If you found your place, say amen. amen. Great, you guys are good. Verse 23, the Bible says, turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you I will make known my words unto you because I have called and ye refused. I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded, but ye have said it not all my counsel. And when none of my reproof, God said, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh, when your fear cometh as desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you. Look at verse 28. He said, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me, is what the Bible says there. For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Now again, this is preventive maintenance preaching tonight, but I'm just saying this, that that it is possible for God to go into hiding. And one of the last things in the world that you ever want to happen is for God to become less visible in your life and for God to take a back seat in your life. We never want that to happen. But the Bible says that it can happen in the life of an individual. I'm not going to have you turn there tonight, but 1 Samuel chapter 4 tells us this, that, uh, that what I'm preaching about tonight can happen most surely in a nation. It can happen in a nation. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 4 and verse number 21, it reminds us of a time when the ark of God was taken and the priest had died. And not once but twice, the Bible says, the glory of the Lord had departed. It departed from Israel. Israel went from being a place of blessing. Israel went from being a place where the power of God was, where the Shekinah of glory was. And the Bible tells us that the glory of God had departed. And so God can hide in, a, in the life of an individual. And God can hide in a nation. And I want to show you something else, Calvary. And I want us to be mindful of this. Did you know that this can happen in a church? Now take your Bibles, turn to the back of your Bibles. Revelation chapter three. Revelation chapter three. Pastor, what are, you, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say that God can go into hiding even in a church. Revelation chapter three. And look, if you will, please, at verse number 14 tonight. Revelation three, verse 14. The Bible says, and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans right now. Some scholars believe that the seven churches of Revelation are, uh, are symbolic of the different church ages. And most scholars agree that the church of Laodicea is probably, probably representing the age in which we're living right now. Look what happened. And under the angel of the church of Laodiceans right, these things saith the amen, the faithful and true witness, The beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would, God said, I would, that thou art cold or hot. And so then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, and I need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I counsel thee to buy me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with thy salve that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. And listen to what he says to the church. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Look at verse 20. And Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Now, we use that a lot of times with salvation, and I've done that. And I don't think that you're doing any damage to the scripture necessarily, but I want you to understand something tonight that that verse in its context is not referring to salvation. That verse in its context is talking to the church. And Jesus Christ said this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. In other words, the Bible is implying this, that Jesus was not on the inside, Jesus was on the outside. And Jesus was knocking to the church and saying, Hey, let me back in. Hey, let me back in. If you want blessing, let me back in. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. My dear friend, listen to me. There is a chance, if we're not careful, that God could go in the hiding in our individual life, in the life of our nation, but also God can go into hiding in the life of a church. Now, let's talk about that a little bit tonight quickly. Number one, what causes what causes the Lord to go into hiding? Two things I'll give you tonight. There's others, but I'll give you these two tonight. Number one is what I want to call absolute apostasy. Now, go back to John 11. You held your ribbon there. Go back to John 11 quickly and look at verse number 44. John 11 and verse number 44. The Bible says, and he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with great clothes and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, loose him and let him go. Verse 45, then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. Verse 46, but some, but some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. Now, you know what the Bible's telling us there, church? That many believed on Christ after seeing this miracle, but evidently there were quite a few who did not. They saw this great Miracle transpired. They saw a man that was clearly dead. There was no question. There was no guesswork. And the Son of God raised him to life again. And many said, oh, this is him. This is the Messiah. This is the Savior. And they believed on him. But there were some who, after seeing this great miracle, still refused to believe and serve the living God. Hey, Calvary, it is no wonder tonight that God has went into hiding, at least in some respects, in America. Because for years and years and years, we've saw miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, and God has shed his grace on this great nation. Oh, I wanna tell you what, we're living in a blessed nation tonight. I'm telling you, uh, listen, if you don't believe me, you go travel abroad, and I'm telling you, there's no place like America. God has been so good to us, and God has shed his blessing upon this great nation and yet we have turned a blind eye to the miracles of God and we continue to, uh, to uh, apostatize uh, to his works. Uh, we've turned on him. we're ungrateful to him. we've rebelled against his word and listen to me Mark my words tonight Calvary. Mark my words that that is a sure sign that the coming of the Lord is nigh It's coming. Take your Bibles quickly tonight, if you will. Hold your place in John 11. Turn over to 2 Thessalonians chapter two. 2 Thessalonians chapter two. And look at verse number two tonight. 2 Thessalonians chapter two. And look at verse number two. Oh my, look at what our Bible says. That ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Look at verse three. He said, let no man deceive you by any means. Watch this now. For that day, talking about the coming of the Lord, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and that man of sin, speaking of the antichrist, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. That's so why our Bible says that before the coming of the Lord, that there will be a falling away. And that phrase falling away means, it's the Greek word apostasia. It means a defection from the truth. In other words, all these years, we've saw God do, uh, do the miraculous. We've saw God do incredible things. We've saw God Protect this nation and bless this nation and help this nation and save this nation. And and yet, uh, after all of that, after all that God has done, there is still an apostasy. There are people that are turning away from God and saying, I'm not going to believe it. 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 And uh, let me tell you what happens. When when people begin to turn uh, a blind eye to the blessings of God, guess what's going to happen? Jesus is about to come. Absolutely. Now I know what the world says. And they say, well, you know, preacher, you say God has, you know, done all these miracles. I haven't seen any. I haven't seen any miracles. You say, preacher, I'll tell you what, I'll make a deal with you. If God would do some kind of great, great miracle, I'll believe. No, you won't. In fact, that's not the first time that conversation's been told about. There's a story in Luke 16 where the Bible says a rich man who was lost died and went to hell and a beggar who was saved and didn't have anything, died and went to heaven. The Bible says that that the rich man in hell could see over into paradise and he says to Abraham, Abraham, I got five brothers and I don't want them to come to this place. He said, Father Abraham, he said, if you'll send Lazarus back from the dead, if you'll raise him from the grave and send him back to my house to testify to my brothers, he said, they'll believe. And this is what Abraham said. If they believe not Moses and the prophets. Moses, what's that mean? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy if they believe not Moses and the prophets, the prophetical books, he said, neither will they believe because somebody did a miracle. And you know what, Calvary? Well, we're there today, aren't we? And this world says, well, I've not seen any great miracles. Let me tell you something, my dear friend. I'm holding one in my head tonight. One of the greatest miracles you've ever seen, right? There's the word of God. This is a miracle that you're seeing tonight. This is a miracle that you're seated in tonight. It's, It's a miracle of God. And I'm thankful that through the years, we've saw miracle after miracle after miracle at Calvary Baptist Church. And when people see great miracles and yet turn away, that's what the Bible calls apostasy. And it causes God to go into hiding quickly. How about this number two? Not only absolute apostasy, but what I'm calling tonight alienation of affection. Alienation of affection. Now this is a law term. And some of you have heard it before. It's used when a third party steals away the affection of a spouse, usually resulting in adultery and divorce. But it's exactly what we find going on in this story. You're in John chapter 11, I hope. Look at verse number 47. Verse 47. The Bible says, after this great miracle has, has transpired, verse 47. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, what do we? For this man doeth many miracles, verse 48, if we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him. And the Romans shall come and take away both our place and our nation. You know what they're saying? We gotta figure out a way to get these people away from Jesus Christ. We got to figure a way to do that. You know why? Because if they start following Christ, we're going to lose our power. We're going to lose our nation. You know what they're saying, Calvary? They were more concerned about having stuff than having the Savior. Boy, don't that sound familiar. We're living in that day today where, where a third party has stole away our affection from the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's a shame Righteousness has taken a back seat to everything. You know, people just live in that. They live in that mentality. Well, you know what? If I can fit God in, I will. But they usually don't. And now everything, everything gets priority over the Lord. Golf does. Fishing does. And listen, I love to fish, man. I love to fish. I like to play golf. I can't play very good. They discriminate when I play golf. They never mow the grass where I hit the ball. They never do. And... (laughs) But I, I, I'm just saying this, that those things have taken precedence and priority over the Lord and working a job and rest and relaxation and accumulating stuff. And, 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 and we're, we're at that point in America where uh, God is just no longer a big deal because we're so affectionate of other things. According to Gallup polling in the 1940s, 76% of people at least claimed to be a member of a church or a synagogue. In 2018, only 50% claim any type of church membership. In 1990, 20.4% of Americans attended church on a given weekend. In 2000, that number went down to 18.7. In 2005, it went down to 17.5. In 2010, it declined to 16.2. And in 2020, 2020, It went down to 14.4%. And by 2050, it's estimated that only about 10% of all Americans will darken the door of a church. You say, wow, what's going on, preacher? We've become affectionate with everything except God. We've let everything else take the place of the Lord. And now church is no big deal and the Bible's no big deal. And and when that happens, God goes into hiding. I told you I was gonna try to be quick tonight. Number two, I wanna answer this question. What are the consequences of the Lord going into hiding? Well, and this is the answer to that. Supernatural loneliness. Supernatural loneliness. Loneliness. Did you know tonight, Calvary, did you know one of the, the worst things about hell will not be fire? And I believe personally, according to the word of God, I believe hell's going to have fire. I believe it's going be to be a place of darkness. It's going to be a place of torment. It's going to be a place where demonic spirits are and the devil's going to be. But the worst thing about hell will not be fire. The worst thing about hell will be this. There'll be no presence of God. Supernatural loneliness. And I I, I want to tell us tonight that it is a sad, sad day when we call on the Lord and he's nowhere to be found. Can you, I've, I've got two scriptures. I'll just give you one. Would you turn over to 1 Samuel chapter 28? 1 Samuel chapter 28 in your Bibles. And look at verse number 4. We read of a Bible character by the name of Saul, King Saul. And Saul has rebelled against the will of the Lord, and he's not carried out what God told him to do. and, And Saul has rebelled against God, and he's become very callous to the ways of the Lord. Notice, if you will, 1 Samuel chapter 28 and verse number four. The Bible says, and the Philistines gathered themselves together and came and pitched in Shunem and Saul gathered all Israel together and they pitched in Gilboa. Now look at the next verse. And, Saul, and when Saul saw the host of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart greatly trembled. In verse six, and when Saul inquired of the Lord, The Lord answered him not, neither by dreams nor by Urim nor by prophets. Man, now we're about done. Honestly, this message is about done. But I can I just can I just say this, Church? There's going to be a time when you're going to need God. If it's not here now, it's coming. Everything may be footloose and fancy free. Hey, young people, y'all listening to me tonight? Everything may be footloose and fancy free right now, and you 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 may say, Pastor, I don't have the burdens that my parents have right now. Hang on. And kids say, Boy, I can't wait till I get grown up. I can't wait till I get grown up. Let me tell you something. When you get grown up, it don't get easier. It gets harder. And I'm just saying this, there's going to be a time when you're going to need to call on God and you need to know that God hears you. And it is a sad, sad day when you are in the valley of your life or the storm of your life and you call out to God, but you know before you call, He's not listening. Because you've not been where you need to be doing what you need to be doing. You've put God so far back on the back burner. You don't even know he's there anymore. You, put a, you, you sort of shoved God in the corner and said, hey, God, don't you call me. I'll call you. And if I need you, I'll call you. But don't you butt into my life. And so you know what God did? God went into hiding. And then we start calling on the Lord, and we get no answer. And God doesn't help us. I'm going to tell you what, boy, that's a lonely, lonely place to be. By the way, we deal with those kind of folks all the time who are at the bottom. They're at the very, very bottom of life and they can't seem to get a hold of God. Oh, listen, Calvary. This is all I'm saying. When my time comes and I need him, man, I want to make sure I'm connected. (laughs) Man, I want to make sure I got the hotline. I want to make sure I got the, uh, man, I want to make sure I got God on speed dial. Man, I don't want him to even have to dial the number. I want to hit speed dial. And, and I, I want to call that, that royal f- telephone. And boy, I want to know he's going to pick on the other, uh, up on the other side and say, hey, child, what do you need? And so, what causes the Lord to go into hiding? What are the consequences of the Lord going into hiding? And we're done tonight, but I love this. I love this. What comes to those who continue with the Lord? Wow. You've got to see this. Now, are you in John 11? If you're not in John 11, turn over there cuz you can't miss this cuz this is absolutely this is fantastic. John chapter 11 and verse number 54. What comes to those who continue with the Lord, those who make sure that God never gets out of your sight. John 11 verse 54. The Bible says Jesus therefore walked no more openly among the Jews. But went thence unto a country near to the wilderness into a city called Ephraim, and there continued with his disciples. Oh, this is good stuff. And so Christ goes into hiding into a place called Ephraim. He takes refuge in a little town called Ephraim. Ephraim was only just a little short day's walk from Jerusalem and I looked that word up and the word Ephraim, oddly enough, you know what it means? It means double fruitfulness. You know what the Bible's teaching? This is great. You know what the Bible's teaching us? That they've rejected him right here in Jerusalem. They've rejected him. They've saw these great miracles. They've saw God raise a man that was clearly dead. They've watched him raise him to life again. And they said, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. And they begin to conspire against him. And so Jesus leaves Jerusalem and he just goes a short little distance away to a place called Ephraim. You know what the Bible's telling us? That just a short distance away, they lost the blessing of God. And just about a day's journey away, there was double fruitfulness. You know why? Jesus was there. Hey, you want to experience double fruitfulness in your life? Make sure you never let Jesus get out of your sight. And by the way, our Bible promises something He'll never leave us. If you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, God left me, God didn't leave you, you left Him. Did you know that God never moves? And so if you're here tonight and you say, pastor, I call and he don't answer. I call and he doesn't hear. And, 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 and preacher, he, he's no longer on the radar of my life. And it just seems like God is, it just seems like God's invisible. And, and uh, this is what you need to do. Make sure, make sure that you find him and never let him get out of your sight. A pastor called a home. He had a family who'd been visiting his church. And so he called this number And this little voice answered, and it said, hello, whispered, hello. And the pastor said, hello, who is this? This is Jimmy. He said, oh, very good. He said, Jimmy, how old are you? He said, I'm four years old. He said, well, good, Jimmy, that's good. He said, Jimmy. He said, is your mama home? And he said, "Mm mm-hmm. He said, can I speak to her? He said, she's busy. He said, well, how about your dad? Is your dad home? He said, He said, can I speak to your dad? He said, he's busy. He said, well, Jim, is there anybody else there? And he said, hmm. He said, the police are here. He said, the police. He said, well, can I speak to one of the policemen? He said, he's busy. And he said, Well, Jimmy he said, Is anybody else there? He said, mm. He said, A fireman's here. He said, A fireman? He said, Can I speak to one of the firemen? He said, He's busy. And he said, Jimmy, all these people in your house, and he said, I can't speak to any of them. He said, What are they doing? He said, They're looking for Jimmy was hiding out, and that's a humorous little story, but I'll tell you what I don't want. I don't want God hiding out. You're right. I want folks to be able to walk into this church and know, I love it. I love this. I'm not just telling you this. I'm telling you what, I've, what people have told me. I've heard this numerous times, but I've heard it just in the last few days, Somebody said, Pastor, I came to the church the other day. Nobody was there. I came to the church and said, as soon as I came onto the property, I could feel the presence of God. That's what I want. I hope that never goes away. I want folks to walk in here, visitors and members alike. I want them to walk into this place and know, it's not just a preacher here. That's not enough. It's not just a deacon here. We've got great deacons, but that's not enough. I want our folks to know it's not just about a Sunday school teacher or a great musician or a wonderful, talented singer, but when people walk into the Calvary Baptist Church, I want them to say this, there's something different there. God is there. God is there. Because where a preacher can't make a difference, God can. And where a Sunday school teacher can't make a difference, God can. We never want God to go into hiding in our life. Would you bow your heads with me tonight? Father, thank you for this time we've had together tonight. God, we need you. We want you. We desire your presence. Father, we want you in everything we do. We want you in every ministry. We want you in every home. We want you in every marriage. We want you in every young person's life. God, we desire your presence. We've got to have it. We've got to have you. Oh, God, whatever happens, don't ever go into hiding. God, I pray that people will continue to to come to Calvary and know that the presence of the Holy One is there. Somebody, Somebody said, except the Holy One come down, they labor in vain. God, I pray that the Holy Dove of heaven would reside upon this ministry in every individual life and every family that's here tonight. Lord, I pray that you'll bless in this invitation and speak to hearts. I don't know this is the case, but it could be there's somebody here tonight and they feel like God is 10 million miles away from them. Lord, somehow the Lord has evaporated from their life. Maybe there was a time when things were sweet and they had sweet communion with Jesus, but something's happened and they've lost that communion. Father, tonight, I pray they'd come to this altar and say, oh God, I want you in my life again. I need you in my home again. God, I need your presence. I need your your communing with me tonight. And our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Just a few questions. How many here tonight would say, Pastor, if I died tonight, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am born again and I'm on my way to heaven. If you can honestly say that, we just slip your hand up very quietly, and you can take it right back down again. That's a blessing. Thank you so much. I wouldn't dare embarrass you for anything in the world. But I wonder if there might be one here tonight would say, Pastor, I couldn't raise my hand. I want to raise my hand. But I'm not sure if I died that I would open my eyes in heaven. I don't know for sure that Christ is my Savior. And I care enough to slip up my hand tonight And let you pray for me. I won't come back and try to drag you down the aisle. But I do want to pray for you. I think we could all agree we all need prayer. And you're here tonight. You say, Pastor, I don't know that I know that I know that I'm going to heaven when I die. Would you pray for me? And Right now, you'd slip your hand up. Just raise it up and let me pray for you. Pray for you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I'm going to ask our personal workers to very quietly make their way to the front if they would. If you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, I am not saved. Oh, I've got some great news. Tonight's a great night to get there. I've got some other great news. He'll meet you. I tell our people all the time, if you'll take the first step, he'll help you with the second one. I want to encourage you to come. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, folks. there's nothing like serving Christ. There's nothing that compares to it. It is the greatest life you'll ever live. You say, Pastor, I want to know about that, but one of these days, I'm going to turn my life around. And when I finally... Get things under control. I'm going to give my life to Jesus. That's honorable, but it's wrong. You don't turn your life around and then give your life to Jesus. What you do is you give your life to Jesus and Jesus turns your life around. That's what happens. But you say, Pastor, would he take me just as I am? Oh, yes. Because he's a wonderful merciful Savior. Let's all stand tonight if you would. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Father, I pray that you'll bless in this invitation tonight. Lord, if you're dealing with somebody's heart right now, I pray that they'll come. We have some folks that are waiting with the Bible that would love to meet them and greet them and help them to know how they can be sure that they're on their way to heaven. Help them not to wait. Help them not to hesitate. Help them not to procrastinate. But God, I pray that they will step out. Work in hearts tonight, Father, and help us to make sure that we have the presence of God in our life. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Abel and Lauren, they're gonna